In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please sit down. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, and thank Stuart, for inviting me to speak to you this morning. I'm on a kind of little mission here to Guernsey with Arosha UK, which is a Christian charity uh, which cares for the environment. So we've been doing quite a lot of events. Some of you I've, se I've seen yesterday were at the events uh, at uh, Holy Trinity, in, um, uh, and those were really good. Uh, and my colleague and I are doing five sermons between us today. Uh, so it's going to be quite, quite a day, but it's, it's, it's really, really good. Uh, afterwards, I'll have some literature available, some free literature, and also a few books for sale if you're interested in this area. Uh, so do join me then. Repent, the end is nigh. Repent, the end is nigh. Well, that prophetic statement can seem like something from a bygone era of Christianity, where things had very definite, hard edges. And it's not seen very much nowadays in Christian circles. Instead, the prophets of doom are very often not Christians, but secular environmentalists. So, for example, Greta Thunberg, I'm sure you've heard of, the Swedish climate activist, concluded her January 2019 speech to Davos Global Economic Forum. She said, adults keep saying, uh, keep saying that uh, I, I want to bring you hope. But I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear that I feel every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if our house is on fire. Because it is. There's hardly a day now that goes by without a report on climate change in the news. It's now clear that climate change is human-induced, is caused mainly by emissions of carbon dioxide, our emissions, and is causing major impacts. Temperature is likely to rise by as much as four degrees this century. Weather patterns are changing, sea levels are rising, Glaciers are melting, and animals and plants are just not able to adapt to the speed of the change. And one of the worst features of all this is that it will be the world's poor people who suffer the most, and they already are. Although the developed West, people like us, are responsible for the vast majority of the emissions, it will be the poor who suffer most. But I have to stress that climate change is not the only environmental problem we have to contend with. And we have very serious difficulties with biodiversity loss and with a number of other issues. Well, in the face of this environmental crisis, 
What does the Bible have to say about them? Well, an interesting place to start is John 1, which we had read to us. We're used to having that passage at Christmas and focusing on the birth of Christ. But it also has powerful things to say about the value of the material world. The Word is the agent of creation. All things came into being through him and without him not one thing came into being. That's what it says in verse 3. So the whole of creation looks to God as its source. The passage goes on to say that in him was life, that this life was the light of all people and that the light shines in the darkness. The implication is not that any part of creation is darkness, but the non-creation, that which is not of God, is darkness. So this might be the non-being of Augustine, or it might be other interpretations of evil, but it is not God's creation. God's creation is good. It was created to be good and it still is good. John 1 also has great significance for the doctrine of the Incarnation. The Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's verse 14. Jesus was without sin and affirmed the goodness of creation by becoming a part of it. John 1 then connects a high view of the biblical doctrine of creation with a strongly historical and physical belief in the doctrine of the incarnation. If God created all things and the word, that is Christ, was the agent of creation, then we cannot treat any part of it dismissively. Every part of our world has value in its own right. It may be very beautiful, or it may be really ugly. It may be something that's really very useful to us, or it may be of no use to humans whatsoever. But if it's been created by God, and has been made through Christ, then it is of value. Quite often, Christians see caring for creation as a kind of add-on extra to their faith. I would say that this verse makes it one of the core starting points. Now let's turn to our Colossians passage. How are our world and our whole universe held together in Christ? I want to focus now on that verse and show how it affects every aspect of our faith and lives. We can understand being held together in Christ in two ways. First, if creation is held together in Christ, it indicates that there is a divine ordering to creation. Now order can sound a bit static, but the sort of order we find in creation is active. There is a dynamic sense of a relationship within creation, and we can see this in the ordering. 
So, at the top of a food chain stands the owl. The owl eats mice. Mice eat insects. Many of the insects then eat plants. But not only is there an amazing ordering of creation, but it's a dynamic ordering. Things can change and it still holds together. I'll come back to that a bit later at the end. Before I do that though, I want to ask the question, what is our role in this ordering? And the place to look for that is pretty inevitable, Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 2 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. In older versions, it says in the Bible, to till and to keep, to till and to keep. The word till means to work, to serve, or to worship. And then the word to keep, we are created in God's image. Keep creation by having a protective approach towards it, by caring for it, and by enabling it to flourish. And so we have a divine ordering. But then secondly, there is also a divine holding of creation. And in him all things hold together. Now, there is no doubt that our global environmental situation is pretty bleak. It's a very real, repent, the end is nigh. But what about being held together in Christ? What is Christ going to do about it? Well, practically, Christ calls us to take up our place in the ordering of creation to order it properly, to care for the earth as part of our mission as Christians in the world. Not the only thing, but part of it. And there's a huge amount that we can do to meet these challenges. And Eco Church, the scheme we looked at yesterday at Trinity, is one of them. Cosmically, Christ holds us with his words, and I will be with you until the very end of the age. We can trust God in his holding. The earth may move into a very nasty hell phase. I mean, I hope it doesn't. Temperatures may rise so high that life on earth by 2100 might be very bleak indeed. Yet if we believe that Christ holds creation, then ultimately we must believe that even though something as extreme as that might happen, as I say, I hope it doesn't, that he will redeem his creation and redeem all of those who trust in him. And part of our trust can be based in that on that dynamic ordering of creation that I spoke of earlier. Many organisms are able to adapt and change to fit the climate. And so the creation shows an amazing potential to adapt. Creation itself is charged with a God-given creativity. And this has the potential to meet some of the challenges we face. Not all of them, but some of them. Within this ordering, then, is our place as stewards. 
And we must take this role very seriously when we haven't got any time to lose. But as we do so, we don't simply trust in the creativity of nature. Our trust is in God's ability and plan to redeem his world. He has a redemption plan for it. Romans 8 says that all creation is groaning, waiting for liberation, waiting for God's glory to be revealed. Then that takes us to the beautiful passage in Revelation where we see an image of a new heaven and earth and a new Jerusalem, the source of a river flowing out of the city with the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations. And that is kind of a picture of the harmony between humans and nature in the future, of a flourishing nature and of peace between peoples. God is taking us towards that perfect future, that future world where we will flourish and live peacefully together. Now we may have some very tough times ahead, but we should fix our eyes on that future hope. If we do that, then the way we live our lives now will reflect it. If we're looking forward to that future harmony, we will start to live in harmony now. Living more simply, that others, including other species as well as other humans, that others may simply live. And if we do this, if we live this life with hope and with joy, we will have a hope that is real. Amen. Amen.